0: <laughs> Hi everyone We should have figured out who was starting Yeah we yeah, should have, we should have. Um, I just assumed it would be Louise <laughs>
1: I was just looking around blankly like We're just all staring at, at, Louise stare now. at
2: Louise Until she says something Okay
1: it's the first persistent and nasty podcast Woo-hoo. Which is very exciting It's been the first time in what Three months since we've managed To get all four of us in the same room yeah. At yep. the same time mm-hmm. yep. Which includes, I believe, the actual Persistent and Nasty live events. Because yeah. Because we've been down, yep. down one member of the coven each time. Mm-hmm. But that's good. It's exciting that everyone's busy. Let's kick off by introducing ourselves.
0: Let's start with Belle.
2: Hello, my name's Belle Jones. I'm an actor and a writer based in Glasgow.
0: Hello, I'm Emily Patry. I'm an actor and an actor and an interpreter and a human being. I'm Elaine
3: Sturritt. I am too an actor and a human being and uh, a tutor. (laughs) Yeah, I'll go with tutor. Yeah,
1: let's go with that. I'm a tutor and uh, I'm an auntie. Hey. I'm Louise Oliver. I am also an actor and I write a bit and freelance as a producer and generally just do everything. Do a bit of... Everything, many pies. There are many pies around me, and my fingers are in all of them. Is that rude? That sounds rude. Anyway, maybe we're I'll do are that again.
0: loads of pies in here. <laughs> there
1: are loads of yeah, pies. loads of pies. We're good. Um, all right. So, first podcast. Um, I'm glad we're finally getting this done because we actually said we would launch it in February. Mm. Can um, I
0: can I just say something? Is that Louise? You said to me before we started that you would point out that you are not wearing a bra today.
1: Oh, yes, because yes. Because
0: I think that's important that you yes. should say that. Yep. you chickened out, and I'm going to make you say
1: it. Thank you, Emily. Uh, <laughs> thank you for reminding me of that. Yes, I'm flying the flag for feminism. I am not wearing a bra today for this podcast. Yep. Let the
0: record show. I'm wearing one, just for the record, and I don't plan on taking it off at any point. That's disappointing. I'm definitely wearing a bra these bad boys need supported. Belle,
1: do you want to reveal whether or not you're wearing one or shall you I'm this snazzy sports bra today. Nice. Ooh, nice. Love it.
0: There's something for everyone in there. <laughs> Great. Sorry, Louise. Please carry on.
1: Okay, yeah. So here we are. We, we have finally got in the studio to record this podcast. Um, so I guess we should talk about why we started the project. We should start from the very beginning. What do you think? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So why did we start this project? <laughs>
2: So we were looking for plays for the four of us to play parts in and we became aware of how many plays there were where the women talked only about men or the women talked about how they were treated by men and how few plays passed the Bechdel test um, for anyone who doesn't. Uh, know what the Bechdel test is Um, it requires uh, two female characters to have a conversation uh, during the piece and the conversation has to be about anything other than men basically it has to be just a conversation between two characters that isn't about a man and we were really struggling to find a play that fitted our requirements so it opened a conversation about how we, we could encourage and support the creation of more plays of the type that we wanted to see. Is that a fair
0: description of how we started? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I guess um, I opened my eyes a little bit from that starting point, reading plays, uh, just noticing in a more acute way all the cultural content we consume is like that. Movies, TV, um, everything that's put out there, the stories that are being told is is much the same. Women and minorities of any kind don't have a prominent voice in the narrative. They're either stuck in boxes, whether that's wife, mother, victim, um, or other types of stereotypes. Um, Yeah, and it became like a thing for me. I was like, this is really quite mental.
3: Yeah, I think the only maybe place that is actually pushing those boundaries is TV a little bit at the moment. Thinking about Grace and Frankie, for example, so you know Netflix seems to be doing quite a lot with women at the centre, which is great,
0: but obviously there needs more. Yeah, mm. can't yeah. just be in the telly. And I think as well as aside from the the sort of more specific issues of acting and representation, I think like quite candidly, and I hope other people can relate to this, like I kind of felt like there was so much going on within our industry about representation. And you kind of feel the injustice of it and you feel it quite keenly. But I had, and I still don't, and it's not because we've done two events that I I know, I just don't know what to do about it actively other than sit at home and feel pissed off about it. And I think one of the starting points as well was kind of to get people together and to get people in who would speak eloquently, people who are out there actively doing things to either tackle the problem or solve the problem or just get voices heard I wanted to be part of something that gave me a way into knowing how to actually get off my arse and do something about it. Yeah. Um, because I'm definitely, and I think there are lots of us, I'm just like an, an armchair sort of feminist. Like, you know, I am definitely, but I'm not. I don't feel like I'm doing anything in my day to day that challenges the issues that we have at the moment. And
1: yeah, and that's difficult because these issues are so complex and systemic that it's fine to tweet and use a hashtag and and be angry about it but it is really difficult to know what you can do to affect actual change even in a small way sometimes i think though it is about just kind of going we're gonna listen um to someone who feels marginalized or about questioning questioning is a big thing for me like constantly being able to say well why why aren't you representing this voice or why aren't you doing this or why don't you have a policy for equalities in your institution or in what you're doing, just like constantly questioning, because I think we're and where we're at in the climate right now, we're kind of on a very fast upward learning curve about what is appropriate and what is been the status quo for so long, um, but now needs to be challenged because the status quo was wrong. So uh, that's I think why we're seeing things like um, Act for Change and equal representation for actresses and Me Too and Times Up, because it's I think it's a tipping point at the moment I don't know about you guys how you feel about that but it feels feels like there's a shift happening in the landscape a little bit I
3: hope there is I'm not actually sure that it's going to sustain mm. I'm waiting on the well, back. that's the clash. thing it's about
0: the long term isn't it so you, yeah. there are lots of projects lots of yeah like you say things on Netflix and theatre productions that are saying the right things that are doing what feels like the right things but it's about whether in the long term that's going to create change I guess
2: mm-hmm. um, because alongside all of the me Too and Time's Up, I think there still is a lot of eye rolling at, you know, feminazis mm-hmm. and, yeah. and all of that. You know, there's still, much as there is a, a greater public consciousness, I think there still is a sort of, I I, I believe that there's a, there is a there is still a sense that it's a phase that mm-hmm. will, yeah. you know, that will like simmer down after a while. Yeah. But not if we have anything to do with yes. it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, somebody said something really interesting in the second event, I know I'm we should really be starting at the beginning but in the second event about feeling like there are lots you know like i don't know the film lion and things like that which feel like events where you're representing an, a minority voice or like listening to a voice and it, it's an exceptional occasion and then mm-hmm. we go back to the normal stories mm-hmm. that we're telling yeah. and that's quite interesting it's like actually is it more about just feeding it into all the stories that we're telling. It's about mainstreaming it.
1: Yeah. It's about making it less about box ticking and, oh, here we celebrated diversity with that so we can go back to what we were doing before. Mm. Yeah, I think it's about mainstreaming it. And I think that's, it comes back to the idea of when you start just plugging that in when you start reflecting the world as it actually is in the stories you tell whether that's on a stage or on a screen then you there's there's cultural programming in people's minds because the people who are consuming that content start to see it as normal which it is because it's normal in their day-to-day life so it should be reflected back to them in the stories that they're absorbing and enjoying um and that's part of it once you mainstream it hopefully the goal i guess is for it to be exactly that yeah yeah um should we start maybe talking about the first
0: yeah.
2: event? Let's talk about the first event. So for our first event on the 30th of January this year, we invited submissions from writers, female writers and female identified writers um, to explore stories um, which had a female So we were looking for stories with a female-centred storyline, whether it be radio play, theatre play, TV or film. And the piece that we finally chose was called Culture Club by two Glasgow-based writers who are also doctors of science, Dr. Zara Gladman and Dr. Laura McNamara. I think we also find it really interesting that they were a writing team. Yeah, They'd written mm-hmm. the piece together and it was really interesting hearing how they had gone about writing this together. Zara and Laura ha- were childhood friends. Yeah, I loved that part of it. I thought yeah. that was lovely. And this was a piece, it was a, TV, a pilot for a TV sitcom and it made us all laugh out loud. It was very funny.
1: I think also um, I liked that they were scientists and th- that they also wrote and that they were combining those two elements of their life to represent in a funny way what is predominantly a male-dominated industry for them too. Like yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. I like the parallels between their world as scientists and what we find as actors and um, people working in the... Theatre and entertainment industry. I thought that was fun, Mm.
2: and this was the first full-length piece that they'd written together. I believe, yeah, Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, So I felt like the quality of the writing for a for a first piece um, was a really high standard. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think you know, and
0: some initial issues were raised regarding you know perhaps caricatures within within the piece of you know like ethnic caricatures or the women being portrayed a certain way but actually in terms of like in relation to the other submissions that we'd received actually what we found was it was really hard to find a piece that wasn't as as we mentioned earlier like centred around either trauma or being a victim or centred around men in some way it was women being women and being something you know just being human beings like doing their jobs doing like being scientists and and that's what really appealed to us i think yeah. aside from the fact that it was it was you know really funny and
1: i think it was interesting the timing of our call out as well basically it landed on the crest of the me too wave mm. so i don't think it's a coincidence that we received a lot of stuff quite harrowing stuff about abuse and sexual harassment um which i think was amazing that we received so many people willing to share those stories and and, um, contribute to that uh, movement in that way. But I think I I speak for all of us when I say, I think part of us wanted to showcase something that wasn't, as much as we support that movement, we didn't necessarily want our first event to showcase a story that is about men and and men abusing and women being victims. Mm.
2: Um, And I think that made for quite an interesting evening because as we were talking about, um even just the name persistent and nasty. I think there were I think there were expectations that people maybe came along expecting a more combative evening mm-hmm. than we were holding, really. You know, I, I don't think people came expecting to see a comedy. Yeah. No.
3: yeah. Yeah. I think some people probably came in the hope that they might get to man bash for a little bit. Um but I think we're all very much agreed if you're going to make a change, we have to make a change
1: together. We can't be isolating others. Absolutely, and I think we were talking about this earlier. Um, just because our writers are female and female-identified doesn't mean that they can't write male characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So yeah, absolutely, There's something in that.
2: And there's also something interesting, I think, in the fact that we'd read this script several times over um, I was directing the the piece on the first night and I hadn't, not- none of us had noticed that there were more male characters than there were female characters and you know and we'd founded this event and so it should. it was something that was very much in our minds that how many roles there are for women and I think there's something very interesting in that in that is that something to do with us being conditioned to just mm. to just take it for granted that there's more male characters than female? I mean, to be fair, the the female characters were the protagonists. Yeah, mm. they definitely had the majority of the lines to say. Yeah, um, but it wasn't until somebody pointed it out on the night mm-hmm. that there had that there were more male characters yeah. on stage than female. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah one yeah. of them was I a rat. rat. Yeah, mm. <laughs> doubled as a rat. Double, yeah, I Sorry. don't
3: know if I find it an issue though. I think, and maybe it is. Maybe I am conditioned.
1: I think we all are. Yeah, we probably yeah. all
3: are. But I think for me, I kind of was like, these women, I really like them. They're bold. They're strong. I didn't feel any sort of victim vibe from them. I felt like they knew exactly who they were and what they wanted in life. And I really, I guess I really engaged with that rather than anything else.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I think some questions were posed as well about the language within the piece Mm. that women had towards other women. So like, you know, as an example, at one point, one woman's calling another woman a bitch and that's valid. But I think that's it sort of feeds into that point about if you you can't get it all right and we have to factor in the fact that we're all conditioned and you have to sort of feed within writing, I think, whether it's TV or film or, or any of the mediums of is that the right word of the mediums? <laughs> <laughs> Does sound like a bunch of psychic people getting together, doesn't it? <laughs> anyway, you know what I mean. Right, yeah, you yeah. have to feed it in, like you have to feed it into reality. The reality is that women call each other a bitch. That that is yeah, that is the truth. And if you frame a piece of writing in a world that people don't recognise, exactly. then what yeah. change can you make? Like I've been, this might be a total sidebar, but I've been watching Young Offenders recently oh. on, on iPlayer, and. It's a brilliant piece of TV writing. But the very first scene, I was watching it, the very first scene, they're talking, it's the two guys talking about a sex doll. And I thought, what the fuck is this? Like, two guys talking, you know. But actually, the absolute beauty of that piece of writing is that it tells it exactly how it is. That is, you know, about these guys on this council estate. And actually, the beauty of it is that it's using that. And it in a way, without sort of bashing it on the head, it highlights the absurdity. And it turns out, once you get to know these characters, that those moments of, you know, racism or misogyny are the sort of absurd moments where you go, actually, these guys are so much more than that. Mm-hmm. It's absurd to behave like that now in our society. Like, uh-huh. it doesn't. And, and I think to try and write a piece where you completely erase the fact that women speak to each other that way or erase the fact that men speak about women in a certain way, or that, I think that's, it's not a, that's real. counterproductive. It's
2: not real. Yeah. It. I think there's, there's um, total validity in having flawed female characters I think I'd much rather see a flawed female character than than I'd a much rather play a flawed female uh, character exactly. as well, well yeah. Yeah. women
1: are flawed because they're human yeah and as we've seen from the very famous documentary Mean Girls um, <laughs> the way we talk to one another we, we occasionally use the word bitch but I think um,
3: I think Emily's point is right though I think as well as an audience you need to see the truth otherwise whatever medium we're going down whether it be tv film theater radio play movement dance whatever there has to be an element of well no not an element there has to be truth in it otherwise
1: what is the point of art if it's not reflecting the world we live in yeah escapism and fantasy is all very well i mean i
3: think it's great if like you know somebody's on a i'm I'm choosing not to call other women a bitch because it's degrading good for you great i really try hard not to but i'm going to be totally honest if somebody really pisses me off then unfortunately (laughs) i probably will go back to that but then it would be the same if it was a guy i'd call him an absolute
1: bastard so or a dick so i'm not quite sure yeah it's just yeah and it's just life isn't it yeah it's the real world um We should probably mention how we structured the event. So we mentioned the writing. (laughs) So we mentioned the writing, and uh, that bit. put an accent on that, (laughs) that, that I'm an actor. (laughs) Everything's an audition. Um, Yeah. So the writing part is the first half of the evening, and then the second half of the evening, after the reading of the script we choose, um, we have a
2: panel discussion with some
1: industry guests.
2: So for our first session, we had uh, Sandy Thompson of Poor Boy. Theatre and Sarah Sharaway of the Workers' Theatre. She's a playwright and uh, occasional performer, I believe. Yes. Um, and they contributed to a really fascinating discussion. There was lots of talk about tits. There was, was lots there? of talk about yeah. tits? Yeah.
0: Well, Sandy was talking about her tits. Now, see, I, so I was watching from Inverness on my computer, and because of, I think, some sound issues, I could not hear the questions. But I could hear the answers. So I didn't I didn't hear a lot of TikTok. I thought there was a lot. Maybe it's just Was that, me. Not,
4: just, <laughs> <laughs> was that not just us at the beginning but talking I about think was. Or was that, yeah, that, was, I was that the
1: voice inside her. your head, Elaine? Quite. quite I mean, possibly. Sandy mentioned something about being born on the wrong side, side of, of a pair of tits. tits. Yeah, that's it. Uh, I feel like we all, in the current patriarchal system, are all born on the wrong side of a pair of tits.
3: <laughs> but are we, though? Because I actually love being a female. So do I. I love my tits. So... The I did have been b- been born on a wrong side of a baritess. I don't understand no.
0: the expression. Am I really thick?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Chris has just said there is no wrong side in podcasters. That's right. It's penis-wielding oppression. You <laughs> so to get that phrase that
1: in somewhere. I'm going to get on the social media and make that hashtag. Hashtag completely- penis-wielding <laughs> oppression.
2: <laughs> I don't really completely understand it, but I think I get the sense of what she means, i.e. I, she She's was a born a woman, and yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah, okay, got it. I could, I've got the image in my head, yeah. yeah. You were just picturing a woman with like a pair of tits coming out of her back thought, or something like that. What side can you be? Like, you know, if I, if I get it, I get it, okay. Um, <laughs> Thank you for going back and explaining it to. Me.
1: Not a problem. Um, so, we opened the discussion with a very broad question, which is what challenges do you feel you face in the industry? And that opened up a whole can of worms, didn't it? Mm. Um, for me, the challenges is actually uh, like a, it's like a web. This is Sarah Shadowy of the Workers' Theatre, a writer-performer of Egyptian descent.
0: Uh, have you guys ever seen the film *Entrapment* with Catherine Zeta-Jones?
1: <laughs> and <laughs> and do you know? Yeah, do you know how she trains
4: with all
0: the lasers because oh, yes. she can't see the lasers to steal the jewel? Uh, so I have a number of challenges, and being a woman is actually quite—it's on the bottom of the list. To be to be completely honest, my main challenge is. White culture is seen as the default. Can of worms. Can of worms, mate.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot. There was so much, and I felt like I felt like a bit of pressure, I guess, to address it all, which was not possible
2: in an, an event that's only two hours long. Absolutely not. I think we learned a lot from that first event mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, which is obviously going to happen when you're when it's a sort of premier event. From the, that first event, we discovered that we maybe needed to be a bit more explicit about the fact that we were more interested in the issues and conversation topics that the the play raised rather than uh, feedback on the yeah. on the actual text itself. Yeah. Yeah. And I
0: suppose that's a learning curve for us, us as well is mm-hmm. like we just realized that we had to be more clear about that that ultimately yeah. we weren't there to
1: it's all a learning curve at the moment, really, isn't it?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, idea I do not know what we're doing. What we're doing. <laughs> um, we're let's trying. not put that in the
2: podcast. We're just trying to make a change, guys. We're totally trying to make a
3: change. We're super professional. I love how we all sat up in our tears at that point. I was like, oh, so professional. <laughs> we stick with
1: we don't know what we're doing. Sit up straight, girls. I actually think I said that at the second event. We don't know what we're doing.
0: We're just responding. Um, but I think that's okay to say absolutely. that. Absolutely. We, do, yeah, we don't. And and a lot of people don't. And that's part of it. we are like just, just being honest about it. We're being honest about it, but trying to figure out what we're doing and mm. how we can,
5: mm-hmm. what part
0: we've got to play, you know, ultimately.
2: I think that was what made it so interesting having Sandy there because she's so she's got so much more experience than than us. She's been in the game longer than we have and she had lots of really interesting points to make about uh, ex- experiences that she's had in, yeah, in the uh-huh. industry and, and how the industry's changed even since she's been working Absolutely. in it. Absolutely, mm. And um, she's had
3: different roles within the industry as well. Yeah. So, you know, she started off as a stage manager and then a director and then obviously artistic director of Poor Boys. So how that has changed how she is dealt with as well, I guess, in yeah. the industry.
2: And, and I, I really loved her just how she sort of t- described her her sort of evolve evolvement. Her, how she evolved evolution? from her evolution, evolution. <laughs> that's the word. Yeah. Evolution. From it's dictionary corner over here. <laughs> <laughs> from sort of being slightly more sort of Meek um, when she started out to i mean, I think it's pretty fair to say I'm sure Sandy wouldn't mind me saying this that she doesn't give a fuck and will say what she wants to say and will not be silenced i think I think that's fair to say I that's think that's absolutely, absolutely fair, fair to say, say. i
1: I think ballbuster mean <laughs> makes <laughs> yes. you me a coke. <laughs> I went in
6: to be an ASM.
1: This is Sandy Thompson, artistic director of Poor Boy Theatre. Writer, director and badass feminist with 20 years plus in the industry.
6: And an actor who is still working and who remained nameless turned to another actor in the cast and said, did you see the pair of tits that just walked in? (gasps) Oh my God! And that was okay, (laughs) Joe. That's the thing where people were just like, take a joke, what's wrong with you? I have been angry for so long
5: <laughs> and now you have
6: to work along what I call football feminism which is that it's not my job to be patient with anybody I have been, I used up my patience in 1998 so you know at this point in time my job is to call it every time I see it Publicly, as someone who has been in the industry for a really long time, who has pissed off everybody that I'm going to piss off. So at this point, you know, there's there's that thing where you go, she's still here, and you're like, yeah, you know, um, fortune favours those who are still standing and still making a noise. And what that means to me is that you know, you you find out what kind of part of the discussion you're good at, and then you do that as much as you can within a football team of, in my case, younger, more you know, attractive, more conciliatory, more less threatening, less verbal women. So my job is like the quarterback. As far as I'm concerned, it's my job to knock them on their arse and give them the fright of their lives and to put my, com- my company and my tradi- you know, the tradition of my work and how long my work's been happening and knock somebody over with it, and then hope that they go crying to a more sympathetic woman they think is on their side.
2: Sarah, in a similar way, you know, is not afraid to... Very much so. ...to say what she thinks and to put her opinions across and have her, her voice heard and her, her points made, you know. Yeah. Totally.
1: Probably a good point on that point, to mention the naming of the event, actually, because that's sort of why it's called Persistent and Nasty, because uh, it's sort of that idea that a being a woman expressing an opinion that is counter to the status quo gets you labelled nasty or difficult or that's only by um impa though uh, well but it came from a very specific <laughs> kind of patriarchal no no women be quiet don't raise your voice yeah. it's the same thing like um the Elizabeth Warren thing nevertheless she persisted I love her can I just say that yeah. mm.
2: <laughs> she's awesome she is awesome I personally also liked the idea that persistent and nasty kind of sounds like the description of a venereal disease <laughs> <laughs> what was the what
0: was your initial idea it was oh, oh uh, toxic shock syndrome toxic, toxic shock <laughs> no uh, yeah and then and then we discussed the idea of it just being of, of it being tox, tox. So, like talk written G-L-K. Yeah, yeah Toxic toxic shock shock Uh, syndrome. I love that. Don't steal that out there, guys. Oh, yes. We're going to use it at some point. We are going to use it at
3: some point. Copyrighted,
0: copyrighted. But even on a practical level, you know, to have somebody like Sandy at the end say, by the way, as everybody's packing up their bags to go, if anybody needs help with a funding application or needs just to have a chat about how to get into an organisation or how to get your work produced, to be able to have people in the room that are... Can on a practical level say, come and speak to me. I'll get that's. I'll get. I'll get the ball rolling for you, or yeah. I'll. To, I'll. I'll show you. I'll point you in the right direction. That. I mean. That's invaluable. That's invaluable. Like you know, in in the midst of us finding our way and not quite knowing what what shape this is going to take at the moment, that's a great start to be able to have people in the room that are giving practical advice on how.
3: Mm-hmm. And part, a big part of what we want is the support and supporting each other. Yeah whoever you may be.
1: And I think that is sort of what we're doing in the sense of feeling our way along we're responding. So, for example, we didn't have a specific focus or brief for the first event. It was just like, we know it's about the female identified voice. We know it's about talking about um, representation in very, very broadly. Yeah. And I think Sarah's contribution then made us all go, OK, well, that's what we should we should focus on net
0: for the next one yeah absolutely i've been i've been here 4 years now and i've met so many brown actors that moved to london because they can't get work up here mm-hmm. and they go like you were saying as a mixed woman you can't get roles of strong women and i'm like roles are being written that have strong women they're not being produced yeah. mm-hmm. and i've been told in really good faith by really good people by my biggest supporters maybe it's time to look to london her point was
3: that just because she's a woman that's not actually her major fight yeah Um, it's about obviously her ethnic background and that being shown and diversity so that was what then led us on to
1: yeah I know because she made a very good point about um, her position and how she's represented in Egypt versus coming here it's not lost on us that we are four white middle class women from Scotland hashtag privileged (laughs) 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 I knew that would make you laugh
2: (laughs) Yeah, and that's why it was it was it felt really lucky to have uh, Sarah there with us on the Absolutely. first day, um, because I feel like it was I didn't personally, and I think I think I speak for all of us that it, it didn't feel right for us to just have a sort of whitewashed first mm-hmm. um, first outing of persistent and nasty, because the whole point of this is about equal representation equality equality and we were very keen for it was a co- something that came up in conversation when we were talking about casting um culture club the first uh, piece that we put on as part of persistent and nasty that we wanted to have as ethnically diverse a cast as possible and this became an issue yeah. to be completely yeah. honest about it and the fact that we were finding it quite difficult to find non-Caucasian actors who were available to play some of the roles in Culture Club, our first piece for Persistent and Nasty, um, was um, addressed uh, sort of tangentially in some of what Sarah was saying about the the drain of, of resources. Yeah. yeah.
1: And this um, was compounded massively by our second event because uh, our decision was to do one about... Um, representation and focus on BAME writers and that was difficult uh, yeah. in terms I mean, of casting
0: almost instantly that sort of threw up issues that were sort of at the core of of the conversations that we've that we've been having of like just you know going through your your facebook and your all of that trying to look for actors or you know that are just not there that are not in that are not in Scotland. Not in Scotland,
2: and I mean, I think it's maybe important to say that there are actors of colour living within Scotland. Absolutely, but I think perhaps because the majority of actors who grew up or trained in Scotland moved to London because there's just more work there. Mm-hmm. The ones who the ones who have stuck around are, I hope, quite regularly in work because there are there are so few um, so few actors to go around. I, I'm not sure if that's I think that's necessarily probably, the yeah. case, but yeah, I
1: think it probably is which was referenced again at our second event, which was at the CCA because we levelled up. Not that there's anything wrong with the old hairdressers. We love the old hairdressers. But that the CCA was, is more accessible. The CCA is more accessible and that is uh, why we are there now. Um, we're very happy to be there. We're feeling very supported by them. Very so thanks, supported. CCA. Thank thanks, guys. Shout out to you guys. And we had Maria Omari of Bijili Productions, who are a company in residence at the National Theatre of Scotland. And we also had Risa Ahmed, who's a... Glasgow-born Muslim filmmaker and director, and they were absolutely brilliant, amazing. Um, and I was yet-
3: just
0: in awe of like both of them, just the whole time. I was like,
3: yay, mm-hmm.
1: yeah.
0: And I think it was um, Riza said, uh, like regarding you know the the sort of casting issue, and not just the casting issue, but the stories that are being told and stuff like that. And it, as somebody who was born and raised in Glasgow. She said something which was really rang true. Which is what's sad is that, you know, I grew up in a multicultural school, uh, like, you, like primarily uh, Indian Pakistani uh, families, kids. Uh, yeah, I'm just not seeing that portrayed anywhere. I'm not seeing those stories being told.
4: See, I think there are there are more opportunities now than there were probably back then. This is filmmaker Raisa Ahmed. In film, for example, the BFI's five-year plan currently it's about different experiences of Britishness and it's about um, investing in dual heritage filmmakers and it's doing all of that. We've yet to see how that comes through and, and what happens with that exactly but I think the problem is that to get to that stage where you can apply for that funding you need to have a level of experience and confidence and belief in yourself to be making that work and I think the real issue now is that young people aren't getting that support and they aren't getting that push to go into the arts because they aren't seeing role models, because they don't think it's a place for them. So I think the problem actually begins even at primary school age where young people of colour and young people even from low-income backgrounds and, and, you know, there's so many different factors and so many different groups that have barriers until they're encouraged to kind of go, this, this is a place for you. We're not. We're never going to fix a problem. Our speakers at that event referenced
1: that as being far more complex systemic issue because it goes right back to culture and lack of role models and lack of um, being told at a young age at school what's accessible to you in terms of art and making art and theatre and film. You know, so we didn't get as many submissions this time round and I think we were all
3: disappointed by that but actually i was talking to my husband about it and he made a really good point which i said to louise last week was you know if we look at um our country as a whole and we look at our population and how that population breaks down and then we look at we wanted him um, from just women that actually we were above average of submissions once you break it down that way and i think that's really i because I was so disappointed with the amount of submissions, but actually, when he said that to me, I was like, "Okay, I'm going
0: to take that as a really positive thing. There is a step forward happening." I think it's important to say that. So, for our first event, we got 100, over a hundred yeah.
2: submissions. For the second event, we got twenty.
0: Twenty? Not not 20. even quite twenty.
2: I don't think. Even quite or was 20.
1: it something like that?
2: I don't know if this is. Politically correct enough to make it into the podcast, but I'm going to say it anyway. Interestingly, even though we'd said that we were specifically or particularly inviting submissions from people from uh black and minority ethnic backgrounds, we still received quite a few submissions from white people yeah. who maybe hadn't read the brief. I think, was it this round or the round before that we had a submission from a man? This round. We had For both of Is yeah. it not the same guy?
3: Hi, if you're
2: listening. <laughs> it if you're
3: might listening, be read, the, read the, brief. the brief before you read the brief. Uh, not that we're not interested in what you have to say, but not this time. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, read the brief. That's just a good tip in general. Mm-hmm. Just as you know, professional conduct across the board. Read the brief. Um, yeah, we had a guy in both mixes, and uh, there was only one writer from Scotland in the second call out. I don't know what that says. I think
3: it's something that. Um, mentioned earlier though maybe it's about funding the support for
2: writers in general
3: mm-hmm. yeah. I don't
2: because it's time consuming writing yeah it really is and you know we were all saying we've all said you know we've got the greatest respect for anybody who writes a script finishes it and then has the courage to send it off Absolutely. for a stranger to read but the fact is that it's it is time consuming to not only write your your first draft but then edit it enough to be comfortable sending it off to for someone to read so the, I mean, the issue of funding, you know, time time is money. In a so, lot of ways. if you're
1: listening, Creative Scotland, we know you're really busy, but if you could give us a little bit of money to pay writers, that'd be awesome. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Because <laughs> what else are you doing? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Ooh. I mean, maybe that shouldn't No, that's,
2: that, that <laughs> absolutely <laughs> has let's to go, go in. <laughs> no, They'll be like, uh, have you written an application? Because <laughs> that's kind of how it works. I can't believe that we have
0: to write an application. Um, I feel what? like actually
1: at the moment, just writing an application is not how it works. Apparently. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's just ask. Yeah.
3: uh <laughs> <"Ease your> money!
2: <laughs>
3: hmm. I think because we don't have any funding yet to be able to pay writers is something that we wanted to kind of um, mention. Like, guys, we absolutely want to pay you. We absolutely do. But we are brand new and we are trying to set ourselves up and hopefully at some point we will have some pennies to give you. Um, So I think maybe that has been interesting for the types of scripts that we've been sent.
2: Because funding is a really interesting question, I think, because there's that element of... Well, should we be should we even be doing this if we don't have money to pay people? Yeah. But Mm. then there's also that sense of urgency that we had of well let's just do something about this. Yeah. And you know, enough people seemed to be in seem to be interested in the project to to come and and listen to these new Mm -hmm. pieces of work that um, you know, it's we're I mean, and obviously none of us are making any making any profit out of this. No, it's costing us money in fact. It's literally a labour of love. So um yeah, I mean so I guess it's the same for for the writers who are submitting. It's yeah, a it's mm-hmm. a labor of love and we're really impressed with the some of the scripts that we've received have been really top-notch perhaps not necessarily what we were looking for for the particular mm. uh yeah, I think that's important to say that yeah
0: that, that a lot of the pieces were not not chosen because of quality but because just yeah, not quite focused in on the things that we want to be talking about and that's that's also part of the sort of process of choosing the pieces and
3: yeah. And also some of the pieces are, that, we, that we've that we read have been really raw, but there has been something in them that we've all really um, liked. So I think we all kind of feel like, oh, j- just because it's maybe not the perfect script that we shouldn't give it.
1: Yeah, like uh, Rhea, Rhea Dillon, who is our writer for the second edition, It was her first ever script. She's mm-hmm. a 23-year-old recent film graduate based in London, and she'd never written a script before, but what she submitted was really solid and had really interesting character dynamics and ideas that none of us had seen represented before it was
0: was challenging cliches wasn't it Mm. yeah left right and center whether it's you know the ages of the characters and the you know like yeah just just challenging things challenging our perceptions of certain characters or in a lovely organic simple like like well well told yeah way um Mm.
1: And perhaps funding would mean that more experienced writers would come to the table. But I guess at the moment for us, yeah, we're only two events in. The third one is coming up on the 28th of June at the Centre for Contemporary Arts in Glasgow. Writer's deadline, 18th of May.
2: (laughs) Send us your scripts. Send us your scripts. Yes, please. And this time around, we're focusing, we have another sort of specific theme. We sure do, buddy. What is that? It's
0: (laughs) gender spectrum and... LGBT something or other.
1: <laughs> what is it? That was brilliant. Uh, gender spectrum and queer culture. And queer culture. Of yeah, course yeah, that yeah.
0: queer culture. Come on, Emily, you should know that. I know. The only lesbian in the room. I can't remember that. Lesbian. <laughs> uh, I think aside from that, there is also, yeah, like people, I think a lot of writers don't, know who we are yet and so yeah, you know yeah. as you said you're sort of putting yourself you're right on a limb as a writer just sort of like put your material out there and I guess there's also an element of people just sitting back waiting to see what we're what we're about and yeah where it goes and I get that as well not wanting to to trust your baby your writing to mm-hmm, to, absolutely. to a sort of unknown quantity I keep
1: seeing absolutely
2: absolutely absolutely,
0: absolutely. <sighs>
2: I think there's something also quite interesting with these last two themes that we've done with um, these specific call-outs where both ethnic minorities, um, quote-unquote, and LGBT queer culture, it, it seems to me that these are areas that are lumped together and tend to have their own special festival. Like, yeah. you know, we've got our own special Glasgow in Glasgow, for example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... um much as I think that that's, that's great to provide a platform and, and have a sort of um, a specific celebration of these types of work. I think similarly, we're keen to contribute to the possibility of it becoming part of the mainstream culture. Yeah. Just as we're, just as we're keen to see non-white protagonists in, in, in stories that are just as accessible to anybody.
1: Exactly. Yeah but it's part that's part of listening and responding like i think the the decision to do this one came off of feedback that we got at one of the events i believe like somebody said i'd really love to see queer people represented um trans people represented and we kind of went okay cuz i think it's part like it comes back to that idea of being aware of of our own status and position yes being being women um means that we are up against certain barriers but we're also being white privileged women from scotland we also have a certain amount of status that we can wield. And for me, part of it is about using that to create space and then getting the fuck out of the way for someone else. Yeah,
0: yeah, and, and not sort of as, aside from being like middle class white women. Class comes up talking. a lot, actually.
1: <laughs> class, came, class came up in the first one and class came up in the second one. And class came up in a conversation that we had. Sure did, sure did. And <laughs> me and they
3: uh... were nearly fisticuffs in the John Bar. So if you were in that day, it was good, good guys.
1: Hashtag privilege. <laughs> um, then it was in the Scotsman that, that day. In fact, oh your yeah, fight our was right. in was that. the Scotsman. That. That.
0: Yeah. Our fight was in the our Scotsman. Joyce yeah. you said it was in the Scotsman. No, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I'm so gullible. I'm like, oh, God, we've already got bad press. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, no about the, the class, class thing. thing. Um, oh, sure. It was in the
1: Scotsman which is why I think it's so important for what we're doing to be intersectional like there are so many layers to this in terms of your lived experience and what holds you back from accessing certain things or what how you're represented in in the stories that we
2: tell there's also something in there about access to the arts and the the finances to do that mm-hmm. to have an understanding of how theater works and and how to write a script but also, I suppose, there, there's potentially a cultural thing as well, you know, yeah. and it may not be something that's deemed as, A, something that anybody wants to do, or B, particularly something that a woman might do.
1: That You were saying this, you had a really interesting anecdote from your time at drama school.
2: Oh,
3: yeah, yeah. Um, so it was actually before I went to drama school and I was doing A-level Years ago at Langside College, and there was a girl in my class, and she was lovely, and I and I thought she was brilliant. And she was Pakistani, and her dad, she said to me, "I really want to do this as a job, but my mum and dad have said no, but they're allowing me to do it for this year to get it out of my system, and then I need to go to uni." And I was just, I remember at the time thinking, oh, "I'm so shit because you're really good, and you clearly love it, and you're not getting to do what you love because." you can't be an actor in that culture now um who was it said on the night yeah. haram yeah. was the word was that right haram, Some haram. Yeah. yeah
0: and kind of it, it's kind of further back than the level that we're talking about mm-hmm. it at it's mm-hmm. kind of about and that's that's what i find useful about the conversation again Taking it back to like what you can do actively as a performer or as a you know a writer individually is if you're you know taking things into communities and not just thinking about performing this in a space in a recognised theatre space yeah. mm-hmm. that certain people will just not come to because mm-hmm. of background or because it's just not part of their like or just can't afford it or can't yeah. afford it is That got brought up as well. Yeah, it's yeah. about touring things to areas where 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 they wouldn't otherwise have performances or. In you know, if there's a piece about you know being a a Scottish Muslim, like take that into areas that is predominantly you know like it's about audience
2: development in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. But taking it
0: right back to the level where that that you 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 want to have big growing talent, you know. Yeah. audience
1: development that's like authentic and genuinely engaged with its community. It's not about data gathering and about boxes. And I think. At yes. the moment, that's not really happening in a thorough way.
2: audience development is a bit of a buzzword, but I mean it in, a, in the literal sense of like developing audiences where the audiences weren't there before mm-hmm. rather than building a following of people who'll retweet your marketing <laughs> material. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I think these are really valid points that were brought up at the last Persistent and Nasty about the, the cultural element. But, I th- but as we were just saying, the whole class thing about people just not being able to afford to go to this theatre, and then the idea of people not being able to afford to go to drama school, you know, like the, the well, so ableist eighty
3: pounds to admission, I mean, yeah, this at is drama school, and been, it's yeah,
2: there's been in the in the news recently, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. A, I think there's a, a um, petition or something online to to get them to cut their fees.
3: But this has actually also been the last couple of years as well about money. Because was it not a few years ago, Claire Higgins was talking about starting her own school? I know this is totally off topic, but no, well, it's, it's not. not really. uh, she was talking about starting her own school outside the London Drama School with some other well known and well established a- actors, but specifically for young people from working class backgrounds who would never be able to afford to go to drama school at like Central or Rada. Mm. But are just as talented as somebody Absolutely. else. Absolutely. Like, I mean,
1: you fall down right there and then at the audition stage. If you're being charged to audition, that's one thing. But then, if you're from a rural area, travelling to said audition is going yeah. to cost you hundreds of pounds. So a lot of them just that's the hurdle, and they can't even clear that. Yeah. So you're just basically saying, the arts is not for you. You don't get to train.
3: And because no. of this conversation, we have said that um, at some point this year we will definitely be
1: looking at class. As a, yeah, oh, we've got a whole list of things we need we really to focus do. on. <laughs> Class, age, but our <laughs> yeah, next topic. But our next topic, yeah. Well, the next topic, should we talk a bit about that? Should we talk about the next topic? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the gender spectrum and queer culture, that's going to be an interesting one, I think. There's a bit of hoopla happening out there in the world and in the online discourse with regards to uh, gender identity. And I don't know if you guys saw on one of the... Um, Sure, this is okay to talk about. Yeah, fuck it, I'm talking about it. It was talked <laughs> about online, so there's no reason we can't talk about it here. Um the Scottish Filmmakers and Actors Forum. I must Did you guys see this. this? I tell. So yes. Whitzerface, the comedy writing troupe, primarily led by and for women, posted a call out for new writers and they wanted to hear from women and non binary voices. So this call out just got posted as these things do on these Facebook groups, sharing Opportunities. And it just descended into the worst kind of aggressive, trolly online bashing about Non-binary identity not existing, oh and God. what about the men? Yeah, and uh, it was horrendous. And this like comment thread just went on and on and on for nearly two days, and then the post ultimately got deleted without any comment from any moderators. So yeah, it was um, um quite spectacle. Like
3: say, um, what's her face? We're with you. Like that's really rubbish that that's happened. Yeah, you. it
0: it was pretty horrendous.
1: I missed all of this.
3: Probably well, for the so best.
0: where was the who was trolling? Like, what? Where was that coming from? So,
1: it got posted, and then the uh, first reaction was from a white dude saying, "That doesn't exist," and over overly political cor- politically correct, and that's discrimination because it doesn't oh. include men. And that oh was God. yeah, it was <laughs> the classic. Listen to yourself. Yeah, the classic. Um, They're threatened. Angry the white male on the issue. internet. And, um, yeah, it was, I mean, there was, there was some name calling and various, like, oh. bits and bobs, but there was name calling from the people on the left, as it were, for the people who were, you know, supporting, supporting it. it. So there, like, there was, it wasn't overly well, as any, any nonsense on the internet is never well yeah, handled, get no. of hand. um, yeah. But uh, yeah, step it, away from the keyboard, guys. Step away from the keyboard. Well, I, I weighed in, which was rather like perhaps ill advised. But I thought I was pretty measured. Um, but it, it ate up like three hours of my day. So and ultimately, oh, the it was Weezy pointless. Got sucked into I'd the vortex. Did yeah. and it was pointless because actually. These the the dudes that were really like there to keep replying and keep saying nope 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 non-binary is not a thing nope this is discrimination you you can't you can't actually argue with that it was a a bit of a lost cause but the reason I bring it up is because it it's particularly relevant to our next theme because there is still and these are people in the arts these are people in our there's 12,000 members of that group one of the dudes in it was claiming he worked for the BBC so Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, maybe want to check that BBC yeah I'm not going to name his name but BBC if you're listening just email us What what concerned me about it was okay. So if this is this is the sphere, this is the art sphere of Scotland, Scottish filmmakers and actors. So these are the arty people. These are these are us. These are our peers, and this is happening. This is saying this is um, erasing certain people's identities and saying that they don't matter and that their existence isn't a thing. And this to create a space for them is discrimination. Which by that argument, technically, perhaps what we do is discrimination. discrimination. Uh, But as I tried to say to the dude on the thread, was if you can make a succinct and concise argument for it being discrimination, and by my definition, discrimination is something that Happens for a group of people to the detriment or to the harm of another group of people, then that could then yeah, arguably that's discrimination. But creating a platform for people to have a seat at the table who don't normally get a seat at the table is not a discrimination. That's just something that we have to do right now mm. because it's the, the the playing field is not level right now. So yeah. I think creating little pockets of opportunity for people who are not normally heard—it's not discrimination in the, the the traditional senses we understand it. I don't think.
2: Mm. But I think there's also something to be said for the fact that I don't think Witzerface have uh, funding. No they don't. No. And no, I, don't, I, don't. I just think it's quite interesting that these the people are so quick to jump on these uh, jump on I mean I just I just wonder how much it, that of that would, argument would have happened if it had been a BBC call out yeah. for example. Yeah. Um, I know that the bbc are are very sensitive about what the the terminology that they use yep I just think it's it 's really interesting that there's that there's so much there there are a lot of opportunities out there you know in terms of playwright competitions and, and and scratch nights and short play festivals and things like this, there are a lot of opportunities out there so for a group of people who are organizing to provide a platform for Sort of quote unquote non mainstream voices. It's just, it's so bloody typical that a bunch of guys would go, that's not right. That's, that's not like that's discriminate. Yeah, yeah, swarm it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's
1: exactly what I said. I referenced the fact that there are literally hundreds of non specific brief type opportunities mm-hmm. that you can go because one of the guys said that this is ridiculous it's just discrimination um, to create a, a platform for these non-binaries um, they're just not working hard enough if they worked hard and got you know they they, they could have the same opportunities oh, yes, as yes, us yes, and I was that like that god that's I really
3: question if they are actually within our industry because you know it, it, online these people that are trolls that's actually that's what, what they, they want to do, do. and yeah, they just want to sit and troll people so they'd probably just sit and in their pants, eating a pot noodle, (laughs) trolling people. Mm. But there's also something I think that has to be said that I think some men are feeling threatened at the moment. Whether that's right or wrong, I don't really care, but actually maybe it's got more to do with how they see themselves and they're not willing to look at how they behave so it's a constant defense 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 so i'll just put all my negativity out there and just shut any conversation down that's got to do with how we're changing our culture and why Mm -hmm. we should be changing our culture and you know something that's led by a bunch of women has probably really got under their skin because guess what you did think about it white guys oh shame
1: It's come. It's coming back to changing the status quo and the feminazi thing that you were talking about earlier, Bill. Really pisses me off. That's a ridiculous phrase. Really, but it's that it is. Because sorry, sorry. Can I
3: just jump in here? Absolutely. If you believe in equality across the board for all human beings, then you are a feminist. Because go and read the definition of what feminism means. It means equality for all. Full stop. Yeah. yeah,
2: And just and following on Preach!
0: From that,
3: Sorry, I've just
2: got, <laughs> got, got, got really rage in there. Just following on from that, I feel the need to have a little rage about people who call themselves feminists but don't recognise non-binary and trans people. Yes. I, this is what? I, I, I know. I, I can't even put into words how much that annoys me because the definition is equality. Yep. So how can you exclude anybody? Exactly. But, yeah. And
0: you often hear the, the argument of, but I just don't understand it. Like... You don't have to understand. You just have to be taught. You just have to go, okay, that's your experience. So I'll do what I can to make sure your experience is a good one. And it's like, it's completely nonsensical to talk about. Well, that's not my experience. So I don't see why I should. Yeah. I don't
3: understand people who work in an office Monday to Friday, (laughs) nine to five, because like, I I can't do that. It would literally kill my soul. But for them, it's totally fine. So it's It's almost the same same thing of me
1: going, you work in an office you have no rights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you work in an office, your, your identity doesn't mean anything. That doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. Mm.
0: Like and, I, I was in one of, I won't name and shame, so I was in one of my places do, of do. work <laughs> the other night and speaking to somebody who, you know, I like and who's, you know, right about my age, etc. was going on about just like, oh, I'm just so fed up of people being so offended all the time and like, oh, and, and I think it was, in relation to the trans community, You're talking about, like, you know, what, what pronoun you use and all of that. Like, oh, it's all bullshit. And just, like, you know, everybody's so offended all the time. It's like... So what? Like, if somebody's offended, like, it's laziness to go, why should I, just because you're offended, change how I address you or what? You know, it's just, stop being a lazy human being. And And actually, it's not about offence, really, because
1: with the people who are challenging these things and who are saying, actually, maybe we should consider this lived experience that someone is saying that they're having, that maybe you don't understand, but actually, if you stop shouting at them about how it's not a thing and actually listen to them, maybe you'll learn something. The people who are taking offence are the people who are saying, oh, political correctness gone mad and, oh, everyone's taking offence. It's like, no, we're not taking offence. We're questioning and challenging. And that's not something that you're prepared to get on board with because you don't get it. And I understand, like, particularly with the gender spectrum stuff, we're in brand new territory. There is a lot of stuff that people don't understand. Non-binary is something I barely understand, but I'm prepared... To listen and hear and go, oh, well, please. Uh, uh, this is this is how you experience the world. Then please tell me more. I want to learn. And you're a human sitting opposite me, so your
0: lived experience is fucking valuable. So yeah. and valid and creating a space for them to explain it, or not even have to. I mean, they don't have to explain it, but like just being able to space. express it yep. makes it easier for every, all the fucking lazy people that are like, "But I don't get it. I don't I see th- why I should." <laughs> well, okay here let, let, let the, let's let somebody speak who knows about it and who's experiencing it yeah and maybe you'll understand it just listen to them and stop shouting at them yeah. <laughs> like. yeah I think a lot of people are actually I think it's a fear
3: mm. lots of people are scared of change and they're scared of the unknown and however they've been conditioned or whoever brought them up or you know all of that will have an impact on it so I think we only really start to change when we have conversations about stuff and it can start to get into our actual communities. So if we are making a change in our theatre community, then hopefully that can then spread because what we want to do is take it into communities. Mm.
2: And I think ultimately, like part of the reason that we started this whole thing was that we were bored of seeing the same stories being told. Mm -hmm. All All male casts. How many plays have we seen about the world wars or courtroom dramas where the cast is entirely male. You know, it's like, actually, we're interested in seeing new stuff. Yeah. And that means expanding the spectrum of what there is available to hear, Mm -hmm. which includes stories from people um, whose communities are different to our own. Because surely that's an exciting thing.
1: Of course. I think it's really exciting. And that includes when diversity is... Attempted by our artistic institutions, not just asking an established or exciting young male director to come in and direct a female voice or a female story. I think we need to actually question authenticity and who gets the who gets to <laughs> so like anyway. lead on those stories. And I it's think Liz bugbear, yeah,
5: you know it is, it's talking. a major
1: bugbear for me.
5: And <laughs> <laughs> major... I think that's a bigger question. It's yeah. something about. Who has the right? This is Mariam
1: Omari, the co-artistic director of Beachley.
5: And that's something that's been an interesting debate going on. As, um, as some of you may know, Bunny is about to go up at the Tron. It's about a teenage girl and her sexuality, written by a white man, directed by a very good friend of mine, who is also a white man. <laughs> who has the right to tell certain stories <laughs>
1: it's a major bugbear for me and on that point uh, if anyone is listening men of our industry please come to a persistent and nasty event we want you there you are our colleagues and peers and a lot of you are deeply awesome and really amazing feminists yourself so you're notable for your absence at the moment so please come along please join the conversation and we want you we there. want you there you're our pals and our colleagues we we need you there so yeah on that point please come guys we're not going to shout at you, I promise. Absolutely not going to shout at you. We're not going to tell
3: you to chop off your penises and become a eunuch,
1: <laughs> <laughs> or we'll tell you, back. or <laughs> tell you to take your penis wielding impression. oppression and fuck off. Yeah, <laughs> we're making that hashtag, guys. Hashtag penis wielding oppression. But again, also, guys, we really like you. So we do really about. like you. It's a good uh, warm up technique. That phrase as well, penis wielding oppression. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: And you know, guys, also in terms of being allies, I mean it's even the simple things like retweeting our call outs for scripts. Yes. And things like that. You know, you don't have to you don't have to be too vocal about things if you don't want to, but the more help we get spreading the word, the more likely we are to be able to provide this platform to exactly. all sorts of diverse and interesting voices. And maybe I it- would like
3: to say though, the guys that did come into the first event, all of whom have been really supportive. Amazing. Yes. Um and have retweeted and shared all our stuff online which is great Uh, but there's also
1: there's something in this actually because I feel like um you hit on it a minute ago Elaine when you talked about fear and like just not knowing where your voice is allowed to be or what space you can you can enter into um I was talking to uh, the lovely Sarah Rose Graeber the other day and she posted not that long ago on, on social media about gender parity and our programming right now in Scotland and how there is an issue. Tagged a bunch of people and the, the conversation started but there was no men in the conversation. So then she went, actually, they're missing. Why are they missing? Do they feel like actually they... they
0: they can't be they part can, of this conversation. They can be part yeah. of this
1: conversation. And obviously that's not true. They can and should. Um, so she tagged them all. And then once she tagged them all, that was it. They were like, oh, my God, I really wanted to say something, but I didn't know whether or not I could. Yes, and yeah. I've been thinking this, this and this. I, think and I, mean, that's yeah, got- I
0: can totally relate to that. You know, like our second event, I was kind of like, we, we had discussions about what was okay in terms of our role, the role that we played within the event. And should we even be like... Because I directed yeah. the second piece, I you know I was questioning whether you know that it should not be one of us directing, and you know what right we had to speak up about it. You know, so I can I can really relate to that.
3: That got brought up on the night as well,
0: and I think that's that. I mean, that's that's the fear that people have. You know, within the whole spectrum of the of the sort of issues, is a bad word, like Absolutely. you said, but yeah, the the things that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's like it's so easy to feel like you don't have. A right to speak about certain things
1: yeah and again I i'm said absolutely quoting again. sarah rose again hi sarah rose you're getting name dropped a lot she had an experience recently um where she was chairing a panel about gender diversity can't remember exactly what the context was but a white male uh, theater maker performer um in the group said i'm going to say something now i'm prefacing it by saying that i know that it might be controversial or or a bit um, weird but is my voice as a white male human in this in this world who has been the dominant force in the industry for so long, at this moment in time does my voice have value and I thought that was a really interesting thing because actually before, well done that male for being well, so aware and, yeah, and thinking well, about that. She said though. that some people were like no shut up you've been, take a seat son you've been speaking too long but what Sarah Rose very rightly pointed out was like no that's a fantastic question because you it means you're interrogating it yeah. because it means that you've seen that actually this has been the way it's been for so long and interrogating it is part of contributing to how to change it and of course your voice has value everyone's voice has value it's just that right now we are trying to bring more voices to the table mm. whereas before I think any white male in the room might have gone well wouldn't interrogate it would just go well I'm entitled to be here because that's what I've been conditioned to believe yeah that I no matter what room it is I'm entitled to dominate it so the very fact that he went I'm gonna ask that question means that there's some small undercurrent of cultural change at work I think I just (laughs)
0: let's just all think about that for a minute I just
1: let that sink in but what I hope comes out of it, and what I what I see is coming out of, it is actual initiatives that will then campaign for real change. So, ERA fifty fifty, the Equal Representation for Actresses movement, is campaigning for equal pay, and for gender parity in casting. Act for Change has come out of it. Times Up is an initiative for the Legal Defense Fund and stuff like that. So things that are actually worthy and will create movement for actual societal change in, around these issues have come out of that.
5: I mean, I sit here and I, and, and I feel very responsible as Raisa does in terms of the discussion around this, but I hate complaining. I am very much about the fact that if I have an issue, when I got here and I joined the Tron 100 and I saw the representation and realised out of 100 artists, there were four artists of colour, I said to a friend of mine as I was leaving, I'm going to change this. And I was unknown in Scotland and I did nothing radical and there is nothing special about me. I just decided to work systematically and subversively to change things. And now Bidjali is company in residence and it will be a platform for people who are underrepresented and who have not had their voices heard. And hopefully whatever we create and however it ends up, it'll go way beyond Uma and I because we are just... The kindling.
1: Well, we've talked a lot. We have. We should probably wrap it up. Yeah, we're running out of time because um, we. <laughs> Louise just looked at her watch. I my watch. <laughs> we are running out of time. We've only got a certain <laughs> amount of time, and you know, never can do that in an impromptu. Okay.
0: <laughs> She's not even wearing a watch.
1: <laughs> we will be launching various additional bits and bobs as part of the project, as part of the Persistent and Nasty project. Um, But in order to do that and do that successfully, and in fact continue the event itself, because actually the event is non-profit and doesn't have any support system at the moment, apart from the very, very, very kind programming support we receive from the CCA, we'll be launching an Indiegogo very soon um, to crowdfund some dola, dula
0: Splash the cash.
1: To continue (laughs) this whole thing.
2: (laughs) Some (laughs) Cheddar.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Anyone I'm else sure got? <laughs> so keep an eye on our social medias and on the website for that. Um, you can find us at www.wearecivildisobedience.com dot com because we are produced in association with Live Arts Production House, Civil Disobedience. And you can find us on Instagram at persistent
2: and nasty, and also on Twitter at persistent nasty.
0: Hashtag stay nasty. <laughs>
2: We're also on Facebook,
1: facebook.com forward slash persistent and nasty. Facebook, if you can follow us there, that would be great because we will upload a lot of details about uh, deadlines for writers and um, announcements for speakers for the next event, which is on the 28th of June 2018 at 7pm at the CCA. Yes, 7pm, guys. 7pm. Not 7.30. And you can get tickets already for that via the CCA
0: box office. And our submission deadline is the 18th of May. That's correct.
1: Mm -hmm. And for this one, we're looking for submissions from writers focusing on the gender spectrum and queer culture. So we are looking for writers who are female, female identified, trans and non-binary. So thanks very much for joining us at the first Persistent and Nasty podcast. There will hopefully be another one. Thanks to Chris Gorman of Tornface Studio for producing and editing the podcast, being the token white boy
2: and all his penis wielding oppression. Eight <laughs> <laughs> yeah. times, plenty
1: of that. Yeah. Uh, so one more time, we are the persistent and nasty women, uh, the coven, if you will. Uh, so I'm just going to say, thanks for joining us. It's bye from me, Louise, Emily, Eileen, and Belle. Stay nasty. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>
0: God,
2: it's okay. getting dark. <laughs> it's gone. It's it's gone. Penis
1: wielding <laughs> oppression. Penis waving is quite different from penis wielding, I and think you'll find.
0: I'm not listening to him anymore. No, take them off. Lala, can I hear, hear you, <laughs> Lala?